0: Hi everyone, this is Mike from Singing for Survival, the Capoeira History podcast, and today I wanted to have a little bit of a, a free-form episode. Um, this is kind of while I'm in the process of, of researching and writing the script for the next episode, um, I just had some thoughts after going to a recent event that I wanted to, uh, to share and kind of bring up a slightly different topic when it comes to history and how we think about things. So a couple of weekends ago, I was down in in LA at the Capoeira Batuki Formatura, uh, which was really one of the the first big events I've been to since the um, since the pandemic, and it it really reminded me a lot about what I love about capoeira and what I love about going to events, especially events when people are uh, graduating at higher levels, um, because it. It tends to be a slightly different environment than most events. At this particular event, there were several people getting very high, uh, high rank graduations. There were a few mastery cords and a few content mastery cords. And usually, when that happens, uh, you get a lot of stories from people. Um, a lot of these events, people take the opportunity or are given the space to share a little bit about themselves. A little bit about what Capoeira was to them, how they got started, how different people are important to them. Um, and this was one of those events. And since there were so many people, we spent a lot of time just talking uh, and and hearing people's stories. And I think that's one of the things that I really miss the most about, uh, about being shut down for the past year and a half or however long, is, is we don't really get that. That personal interaction in Kapwa right now. Online training has been great. There's been a lot of um, a lot of forums that have happened as well, where people will talk about different aspects of Kapwa, about history, about music, uh, about issues within Kapwa and the way things are changing. But it still is kind of a different interaction than we get from something like an event, where people are really talking about um, their their own personal stories. It feels a lot different, especially when we're in person talking and listening. And I think when when we are trying to be students of history in Capoeira, it's important to still value those kind of interactions. Uh, maybe not exactly the same, but on a similar level as to the history that we study. So we spend a lot of time reading, uh, you know, researching learning about things that happened in the past, important figures in the past. Here in this podcast, we've talked about Bizoru and Zumbi and uh, Manduka da Praia and people like that. Um, But I think it's also important to remember that we are living in Capoeira history right now. That these stories of people and, you know, broadly, everyone that you know but even more specifically, people who are, are leaders within the community right now, their stories are part of Capoeira history right now. You know, these are, in a lot of cases, these are the people we're going to be talking about 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. And we, we should realize that we have a, a kind of a unique opportunity to be part of that history right now. Um, maybe not necessarily playing an explicit role for everyone, but being witness to it. I think we have a very different connection to history when we are there seeing things happen, listening to people tell their own stories, than we do when we are reading about it, you know. There's di- there's different levels of separation. But I think at least this event kind of reminded me, we are at a unique point in Capoeira history right now. Uh, we, we are seeing the the rise of non-Brazilian mestres. Which I think is a big deal. Uh, Capoeira came to the United States uh, in about the, the mid-1970s. And so it's been here for what is 40-50 years. Somewhere in there. And more and more... We're seeing graduations of people to the rank of mestre who are not from Brazil, who were born in the United States, who are born in other countries, uh, and we're now getting almost full turmas of non-Brazilian mestres, and I think that's a really big deal. It's something that has even faced a lot of resistance over the years. You know, there's many times where uh, Brazilian capuristas, Brazilian mestres would not respect a, uh, a higher ranked person that was not Brazilian and especially not a mestre who was Brazilian so I think the fact that a lot of people are coming to around to that is a really big deal going to events of everyone knows is important I think people are taught for different reasons that events are important to go out and meet people to go challenge yourself to be in different hadas, to learn from different people but I think we also need to include in that that really hearing people's stories is super important for these things. It, it gives you a different outlook on the kinds of things that are happening in Capoeira, the ways we can reach people in Capoeira, and really how the, the history of the art is, is going. Where, where is the trajectory of Capoeira inside and outside of Brazil right now? I think you can learn a lot about that by sitting with people and talking with them about where they came from, where they're at now, and where they see themselves going in the art. And I don't think we necessarily even have to do anything special to, to get that and to be a part of it. Um, all that's really required is that you show up and try to listen. You can ask people questions. Um, people will volunteer their stories if you let them. So I think it's just something that kind of I, I really got thinking about on my drive back from L.A. this weekend. Something else kind of alongside that is while, you know, we have the new history of Capoeira forming now that we should pay attention to. There's also the, the old, not the old history, but the old guard of Capoeira that is still doing stuff now. They're not static historical objects like other people that we study, like people like Messi, Paschian, Messi, Bimbo. Um, and the reason I'm saying this is uh, at this event, uh, one of the one of the invited guests was Messi Boajanchi, who is uh, an older, an older Messi. He's he's from the Messi, Pascina lineage. Uh, and I would say he's he's kind of uh, up there with say Messi Joao Granji as part of like the old guard of Rangola. And what what I was really struck by in the event was the the way he was teaching and the way he was talking about things. So Messi Bojenshi taught a, a workshop on one of the days that I was there, and then into the subsequent days he would talk about You know, his thoughts about the event, his thoughts about the graduations and the people that were there. Um, And in teaching his class, he was using some methods of particularly, particularly of of warm up and some of the basic movement stuff that I view as fairly modern. Things like uh, shin boxing that have come... Kind of into a little bit more popularity over the last few years. Uh, and that was kind of striking to me because a lot of times i I view some of the old guard the older messages as kind of static in their ways. and I think sometimes we think of of older people in general that way. but to see him use what in my eyes are more modern methods kind of reminded me that these are still you know, Living, dynamic people—they're still learning, uh, and that was that was kind of a a wake-up call for me that these aren't people we can treat as historical. They're still doing stuff. They're still changing, uh, and we kind of have to treat them that way when we when we learn about them uh, and the way that that we respect them and and interact with them. In addition, it was very refreshing to hear him talk about. Uh, some of the issues of uh, of Brazilian and Brazilian masteries not uh, not accepting non-Brazilian masteries kind of like how was what I was talking about before and and he came to us with with the view that you know the people that were graduating who are people that I also respect very much are are folks that that can do things and know things that plenty of Brazilian Macedo's can't do or know. And they are just as much uh, Macedo's of Capoeira as any others that he knows. And I think that's, I think it's really important for the for the older guard to come forward and say things like this, because people like like him have a lot of influence over the broader Capoeira community. And you know, people will take his lead when it comes to the way that they look at, at people, at Mastides, at instructors from other places. So I was, I was really inspired by this. Um, and it, it kind of gave me a very hopeful outlook on, on the Capoeira community and the kind of the culture and the views of where, of where things are going right now. Um, I know it's sometimes hard to be hopeful when when we've gone through difficult periods of time, but something like this was was really inspiring to me. Uh, I was thinking a lot about this on the on the drive back, so I guess all of what I'm saying, and I'm rambling a little bit. I'm just trying to get my my thoughts down recorded. Um, is that a history is very much Alive, dynamic, and changing right now. Capoeira is very young. I mean, it's been less than 100 years that it's been legalized and really formalized uh, if we look back to Mesubima's academy. And so things are changing often very quickly. And we are in a very unique opportunity here to be a part of that change and a part of that history. So it's important for us to attention to that, to look outside of just our books that we're reading, our videos that we're studying, and to, to talk with leaders in the community, and to listen to them, listen to their stories, listen to their thoughts, what they have to say, um, try to find out what are the unique things about them, about why they're in Kapwudda, about what they're doing with Kapwudda. There's so many people that are doing such amazing things with Kapwudda today, all around the world. So you can learn so much and you can take really a lot of inspiration by paying attention to that. And on top of that, treat the, the older guard, the older mestres the same. Just because you know the history of, say, João Granji, for example, doesn't mean you know who he is today or what he's doing today or what his thoughts are about Capoeira today. Take opportunities when you can to listen to what they have to say uh, with an open mind, because a lot of times they may surprise you. Just because someone is, is older in Capoeira or is part of an older lineage doesn't mean that they're going to have the same views as other people that kind of occupy that same space or role. And we still have a lot to learn from not only what they know, what they're doing now, but even the ways that they've changed and the ways that they've learned to think about things differently. So I just wanted to do this, this quick episode to, um, to kind of get my thoughts out there. Uh, if, if anyone has any thoughts about this, please reach out to me. I'd love to, uh, to start some conversations about how we can do this better or how we can maybe share people's stories in a more efficient way. Um, so feel free to reach out. I'll leave my email in the description, um, I'm currently working on the next episode I have most of the research together And I'm about to start writing the script The next episode is going to be on Sassi Who is a uh, Brazilian folkloric figure That actually shows up in a lot of different Capoeira songs And I think understanding who Sassi is And what what role he has in, in, Capo, in not Capoeira But Brazilian folkloric culture uh, Is really important to understand these songs and and different aspects of these myths. So, um, so stay tuned. Hopefully it'll be coming out with that in the next couple weeks. And um, as always, feel free to reach out and I'll talk to you guys next time. <laughs>